Hello and welcome to the first edition of The Camera Channel, a podcast about moving image cameras and the people who use them. I'm Michael Sanders and for this edition I'm joined by fellow DPs Owen Scurfield, Patrick Smith and Tim Sutton. We got together over a slightly dodgy Skype connection to discuss Canon's latest entry into the market, the C500 Mark II. All three have bought the camera, and despite the audio quality, it's quite easy to tell what they think of it. And spoiler alert, they really like it. Hi, I'm Patrick Smith. I'm a DOP based in London working on documentaries. I'm Owen Scurfield. I'm a DP who works mostly on documentaries. I also do bits of corporate and some bachelor entertainment programmes. And hi, I'm Tim Sutton, another London-based cameraman. And like Pat and Owen, I do branded content and docs and anything. Well, thank you all for taking the time to come on the podcast. Scheduling four busy DPs has been quite fun, so let's get right to it. And let's start with an easy one. Why did you buy the camera? I, I chose this camera for one reason, basically, and that was the full frame chip. I was just really, really interested and excited to be able to kind of liberate that that field of view from my lenses. I, the first experience I got, most of us got of this sort of filming was when the 5, 5D Mark II was invented 10, however many years ago. And that was massive change in terms of how we could see the world through our cameras and i loved the 5d and then i bought a c300 mark one as soon as i could and adored all i was very aware that i'd lost some of the some of the look of the 5d which came from the fact it was full frame and it's only now 10 years later that we've kind of caught back to where we briefly were um with that stills camera in that now i can use my ef still lenses which is what i tend to use um uh, and see their full full optical width optically it's changed things quite quite fundamentally that's why i bought this camera and why i was interested in it i mean the full frame is why i got it as well but also the size of it yeah. it's amazing that it's all in this small package so that's just it's brilliant um, in that respect tim you're a c700 user why buy the c500 as well so people may or may not know but i have had a c700 ff for, well, since it was available, and that shares the same sensor with the new 500. And so the 500 coming along was was like a mini coming along. Um, it's got the same sensor uh, in a small package uh, and with a few trump cards as well, particularly, I think, the, the capability of shooting 6K RAW internally. Um, yeah, it's very exciting. The internal raw is really impressive and opens up so many possibilities. Um, yeah, absolutely, Michael. I mean, you know, the raw is is data heavy and definitely not. I think it's definitely definitely not for everyday use. It's I think it's two point one gig per second, which you get about half an hour's uh, recording on a, on five hundred and twelve gigabyte cards. So it's hefty. But what's quite refreshing about the new media, which was a happy surprise when I discovered it, is that the the read speed when downloading is um, is equally fast. So transfers at the end of the day are super fast. You all mentioned that full frame was one of the reasons you bought the camera. But that has a knock-on effect in terms of your lens choice, such as what focal length you might need and physical size, because obviously they've got to cover a larger image circle, so the lens has got to be physically bigger, which means it's heavier. 
with regard to the focal length thing you mentioned, yeah, my my selection of lenses now, I'm sort of inundated with things at the wide end. And sometimes, you know, whereas an 85 might have done as the longest prime I've got, you know, really struggle actually. And uh, yeah. I feel I yeah. need longer, longer, faster lenses. A 135 is definitely yeah. something I would consider now. One thing that Owen mentioned was size. I had the camera myself for a few days and it's impossible to ignore just how small and compact the camera is. Now in what's the first for Canon, the camera is quite modular and configurable. I'm interested to know how usable it is out of the box and if you think there are any essential add-ons. From my point of view, I've you know I've turned what is a wonderfully light small little camera into a camera that I'm slightly disappointed at the moment is a little heavier than I'd hoped but I've put sort of 50mm bar focus rig at the moment on it with a handle on the top I've got a monitor eyepiece matbox follow focus teradex sound receiver and a timecode link so you, all of those things are kind of glued onto it um and it yeah it, it, it it's fine it, I, I I love we all have to work out building rigs these days and I I really enjoy sort of tuning and changing the way that the camera kind of all fits together but it is very neat did you buy Canon's modular back with the V-lock plate on it uh, I didn't particularly see there was much value for me in the back but I've got a Hawkswood V-lock plate with an unregulated D-tap at the top with five D-taps along the bottom, and that then runs uh, into the four-pin XLR power supply for the camera. I've got the smallest Canon batteries connected to the camera so that if I lose power, it doesn't ever glitch out. It's essentially got its own battery supply as a backup. Yeah, it's quite nice. It's like a hot swappable. Yeah. I also didn't buy the V-Lock module on the back and use a V-Lock plate like you guys, but uh, I think the modularity is really interesting. There may be new modules from them or, or maybe even third-party people could make stuff or drop in radio mics or Teradek things. Um, but, yeah, I think it's an interesting concept, the modularity, and be interesting to see where it goes. So uh, one aspect of camera design that really makes a difference is the menu system. And some manufacturers get it right, others not so much. But right out of the gate with the C300, Canon were pretty spot on with their menu setup. The menu system on the C500 Mark II is nice. It's a new design and it's nice and easy. Uh, I quite like that. That's one advantage over the new camera. Um, it's 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 well designed menu. Owen, you've most recently been a Sony user. What do you think? So just like the first like day was initially like the old muscle memory was a bit uh, stiff, but after you know the day it was fine actually. And I found the menu like Patrick says, it's easy to navigate actually, and there's nothing really that is that complex about it and uh also i did all the shortcuts i replaced some of the um sideable buttons because i'm using the graphical i took out the peaking button and the zebra button on the side of the camera and i've got the sensor size on one of them and i've also got the stabilization on in one of the other buttons so yeah it's really easy to navigate it's really quick speed is a big one you can you can turn it on and be turning over within yeah, it's massively. Fast. It's staggeringly fast to turn on. I, I don't have nothing else I own turns on as quickly as the two thousand and one two. Yeah, I think you could you could be like rolling in sort of four seconds or something. It's amazing just from turning it on. It's really really quick. And again, compared to the F fifty five, which is like really slow to start up with. Yeah, it's a real breath of fresh air. It's great. Just uh, the other thing I was going to say, actually, but because I've been using the F fifty five for so long as well, is having all of the NDs. Like I, mean, I know you guys have had all of these for a while but for me and uh michael that's 
that, I mean, that's pretty good, Michael, to be honest. Two, four, six, eight, ten. Absolutely. I mean, if you're coming from a FS7 Mark to FX9 or Venice, where you've already got variable steps of ND, you'll be really at home. But those coming from an F55, F5, you will really notice a difference quite quickly. It does change the speed at which you work with the camera. Um, moving on, though, one feature that's very specific to this camera is the in-camera stabilisation. I really wanted to try it, but I don't think it was working on the camera I had, which I think was a pre-production version. Have you guys managed to try it out in anger yet? I've had a quick kind of use of it in the in the back of a car, basically. I was doing this program called Long Lost Family, which is like heavily sort of formatted kind of documentary-ish sort of thing, you know, with presenters. Um, and there's, a, there's this always this traveling scene in the back of a car where you just get sort of arty shots sort of out of the front of the car, reflections in the, in the wing mirror. I was kind of cramped in like the car next to the presenter on a, I was actually on a Zoom, but I just needed to get a variety of shots quickly. And uh, um, yeah, it was invaluable, basically. It was really, really good. So the, the presenter stuff, not so bad because he was quite close to me, but I wanted to get some longish shots out of the front of the car. Um, and uh, like I said, the wing mirrors and things like that. And it, it was amazing. Yeah, it re really worked well. That does sound pretty remarkable, really. Pat, you're in Mexico, I think, doing something. Yeah, I've used it, I've used it a lot. In the last three, three, four weeks, I've been using the camera. I was in Mexico and America for a couple of weeks doing a film about a brain surgeon. And it's a BBC Netflix production. They were very keen that I shot on red. But I was aware that I'd be shooting in five-hour surgeries. And I essentially need to be handheld and holding a red for that long, I couldn't do. So I ended up taking the C500 in and using the image stabiliser. It's quite amazing you can hold hold a shot tripod steady it doesn't matter what lens you're using it's just incredibly stable and in a whole raft of uses it was great and i could in, i could put into the camera some movement sort of i like to have a sort of lateral movement or, or not not completely static frames because then you can tell you can't tell your handheld and it doesn't have the same natural feel but somehow they've managed to it feels like find a middle ground where it's, it's locked off, but you can still gently move the frame. Um, it, it, it's brilliant. Now, I found one fundamental flaw with, with it, which was that when I was shooting, uh, essentially the surgeon would come out of surgery and we'd, we'd talk in a hallway about what had just happened. And I was on, I think I would imagine, a 50 mil lens, uh, wide open pretty much, 1.5 or something. Um, and as he moved around, as he paced slightly backwards and forwards, the camera image stabilising software would try and stabilise his head. Yeah. And it would all get a bit of a mess. And at that point, it was very seriously important to switch the thing off, uh, which I've now assigned as a little button on the side. You hit it, takes you straight to the menu button where you just turn it off, press it, and it's gone. Um, it's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, you see very quickly as you turn it on and off that it punches in and out of the frame a bit, which is... You know, so you lose a bit of your width and a bit of your lens from that. But um, yeah, amazing. I've been looking forward to that technology for a long time because I love shooting handheld, and it's it's it's, it's interesting. I, it, you know, I, I worry though that you turn on so many gadgets and control devices that you lose any control. You, you're step by step losing control of that frame in a way. So there is a there there are problems associated with it. But I, but it's. It's, yeah, I think, I, but think I, I think I think like the autofocus capability of these cameras that they've had for quite a long time. It, it's learning how and when to use it, and um, and it's another tool to sort of to have. Tim, you just brought up a really interesting point. 
Canon cameras have had autofocus for some time now, and if you combine AF with image stabilization and put the camera on a gimbal, you must get some fantastic results. I've pretty much bought the C500 Mark II to use on a gimbal in a way. I do a lot of work uh, with my Mobi Pro, and I've managed to get my C700 FF flying on there with weights and undoing, taking the battery plate off the back, etc. But it was challenging and heavy. Uh, and so, yeah, having the capability of putting this little box on the gimbal is is great. But it's also got, uh, you know, an internal battery, which is quite nice for sort of power management on the rig, unlike a Red or a Mini where you need some uh, external power supplies. You can have three card slots. It's got XLR input. So, yeah, I think what's packed into that little box and the size of it is uh, very refreshing. And the 6K RAW because of the new media fitting into, again, that small, tiny box is um, is amazing. Pat or Owen, have you managed to get it on a gimbal yet? Only briefly. I, I, yeah, I dragged a bloody Ronin 2 all the way across sort of Mexico and America and then used it for one shot. I had image stabilising on, and it was pretty amazing. Yeah, it was, it was just an added tool to what is... You know, I, I, uh, the, the Ronin is an extraordinary thing, but I was worried about my walking up and down. I had a serene arm on, a, on an easy rig and all the whole palaver. Um, but I didn't get to really exploit what it could do in the, those conditions. I did one shot following the guy down the corridor and then we put it away. It's a shame. So I put the, um, I put the C500 on a, a Litus, but I, again, I didn't really have a, a big play with it. I was going to try and do that over the weekend actually. And, um, it seemed to work pretty well once I'd stripped it all down. And I've only got like the Lisa's Junior, which um, payload wise, it's definitely, it's fine, just weight wise, once it was all stripped down. And it was pretty neat, actually. But uh, I've yet to, and it looked good. It looked good. The facial recognition was was really good, actually, for that. I was just messing around with it at home. I've yet to use it in anger. But it, I mean, just when it's stripped down, it's weight. And I had the screen on the back of the Lisa's as well, which um, once you turn up the luminance, it's pretty good as well. And of course, since the C300 Mark II, Canon have implemented really good control over Wi-Fi of their cameras. That must be fantastic when you've got the camera on a gimbal or a crane. Yeah, absolutely. The Wi-Fi connectivity and camera control and touch focus control over the Wi-Fi is, is, is a great feature. One thing that the C500 uh, comes with that the my C700s didn't was uh, the, 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 a little touchscreen monitor. And I've got a longer Canon cable, which means you can sort of mount that remotely from the camera, even on the handle of a gimbal. So you could reach over a thumb and touch focus uh, if you're in sort of auto mode without a, a wireless uh, follow focus. Um, and, and it also comes with the, the sort of traditional hand grip that C300s came with. And that's uh, I've got mounted on the other side of my gimbal ring on a rosette mount, which um, which gives control of start-stop and iris uh, and the push auto face facial recognition, autofocus, or whatever you want to assign to those buttons. It's been fascinating to hear what you've all been saying about how the camera is packed full of these really useful functions that really open up some creative possibilities. Um, so let's talk a bit about the camera's place in the market. The body is around £14,000. So where do you think it sits in the market compared to the competition? I think it is hot on the heels of of a sort of a red and Venice territory, personally. That's where I'm pitching it, definitely. That's what I need it to be. 
And uh, I think it's up there. And I and I don't think the FX9, which is sort of put into the same, what one shall I buy, this one or that one? I don't think the FX9 cuts it. Yeah, the FX9 is being touted as a replacement for the FS7. So there's a big gap between the FX9 and the Venice. And there's been a lot of talk on the forums about what a F55 Mark II would be. But the reality is Canon have sort of boxed Sony into a bit of a corner because they've come up with a camera that's got heaps of functionality. Where where would they sit a camera above the C500 Mark II that's not in Venice territory? So it's, it, I think it's hard. Sony is a big factor in terms of what they bring up for the F555 replacement if they do that. Um, but for me, it's also Ari is the huge question and what when and if they bring out a new sensor and it's going to be super 35 but what what's that camera going to be like or you know yeah, the ARRI the the high-end side of it is definitely um changing and it'll be interesting to see where that goes in the next year or two yeah that's why I'm so interested in this camera I mean I bought my f55 instead of an f5 about six years ago purely because with its global shutter 4k and wider color meant in theory i could use it on higher end projects where i might have used an alexa um something we haven't actually mentioned yet which we probably should is pitch quality um and i think we can all agree that canon have always had a reputation for producing lovely skin tones and in that respect the c500 mark ii doesn't disappoint cameras also getting more sensitive has anyone managed to try the camera in low light what yeah. with the C five hundred, which uh, I was of the impression that essentially my base ISO is eight hundred, then there's six, then then I can work to sixteen hundred, thirty two hundred, and sixty four hundred as a, as a as base ISOs. Is that right? Well, a guy at Canon told me that there are multiple analog readouts of the sensor, so eight hundred is analog, sixteen hundred is analog. And then between that, 1,000 is gain, 1,250 is gain, and then it's another analog reader. And that happens incrementally all the way through up the uh, the ISO range. I know that Will Edwards was testing some of the low-light performance, and he was saying it was remarkably clean up to like 10,000. Yeah, it was pretty good. Okay, so, so far it sounds like you're all pretty impressed with the camera. Um, but have you got any major niggles or requests for future upgrades? Only thing I can think of really is uh the magnification i'd quite like that to be i seem to remember that it was on the c300 you could turn that into black and white so you definitely know when you were magnified and also i think it seems to magnify quite a small section of the image so when you do look at it it's a bit blurry uh, and i think on the c300 mark ii the section that you magnified was slightly bigger and that looked cleaner that was that's the only thing i can think of offhand that really i would uh rewrite maybe that was that's about it i should think patrick any thoughts um the the c500 is a big improvement on the c300 for one thing that i found really irritating with the last camera was the fact that you can't put proper masks over the picture i've been i'm like really enjoying the fact with netflix you you're allowed to shoot two to one without being granted permission that's their standard minimum aspect ratio but they seem to be keep very keen on two three five to one at the moment everything i've shot since for the last nine months has been that aspect ratio and it's really important to be able to just on your screen see what you're shooting and you can now do it better with the c500 but you don't have the same sort of control of 
of, of other some other cameras where you can build your own masks um, over the frame, which nowadays I think is quite useful to have real flexibility in that. For me, anyway, that that's a thing I I could do with being improved. But it, this camera is an improvement on previous. Yeah, I found it really frustrating with cameras that only had lines as your as your mask, because your brain behaves differently when you can see into that area. Tim, coming from the C700, is there anything you're missing? Anything you'd like to see them introduce on the C500 Mark II? It would be nice if the new 500, like my 700, had ProRes, if it had um, the 12-bit uh, XFAVC codex. But I suppose it does have a 12-bit RAW capability, so you've got that there if you need it. But for a lot of things, it's just too data-heavy. But there's only so much they can fit into something that size, I expect. Well, we've been chatting for quite some time now, chaps. Um, I suppose, final thoughts. Are you happy with your purchase? And I have a feeling I know the answer. I, I, I do like the camera. I bought one, so I, uh, I should like it. And I, but I bought it for specific reasons. Um, and when it came out, when it was announced, I think amongst this, the, the, the small, rare group of C700 owners that I'm proud to be uh, a member of, uh, it, there was a slight sort of, oh, hang on a minute. This is this is a small box that does everything that the big one does. It's just, it's trumped my purchase. But as time has gone on, and there hasn't been that much time, but I do find that the C700 does a lot more than, than they've obviously been able to fit into the small size of the C500 Mark II. I think both cameras have have trump cards over, over the other. Um, but it's um, it's a very happy little family in my camera department right now. Yeah, no, I'm very very happy to see 500. I don't I, I don't have any reservations about having bought it. I'm sad that I've got an Amira currently sitting in my cupboard doing absolutely nothing. Uh, that was an amazing camera, um, but it doesn't comply with certain broadcast standards now so i've had to move on and this camera comes yeah it's, it's very very exciting i love the full frame thing and uh, i look forward to playing with the lenses sort of in the coming months and getting to know full frame better but it's a, it's a nice place to be visually i think well that seems a great place to leave it thank you very much everyone for taking the time to join me it's been really interesting hearing your thoughts on the camera all right take care guys see you cheers bye, bye. So that's it for the first edition of the Camera Channel podcast. I'd like to thank my guests Patrick Smith, Owen Skirfield and Tim Sutton. I'm already planning future editions of the podcast, so it'd be great to hear what you think of it. Send me your comments on Twitter at the Cam Channel or mjsanders.co.uk slash podcasts, where you can also leave a comment. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye.